welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of teen sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hey guys, I'm Andy Cruz in a sec, and I'm making a decision about my mood this evening. Oh, oh, that sounds important. Andy, what's your decision about your mood this evening? It's important. Well, because it would be really easy to still be angry about the way this series went, but I'm deciding to look at the bright side and end the series on a positive note because we're going to St. Louis and we have to win games. So we have to think positive. See, I appreciate that you've got like this positive mindset thing. I... The road Cubs are continuing to road Cubs, and it I, it's driving me crazy. Okay. Well, let me just be clear. <laughs> I have to be clear because I've tweeted some things in anger over the past couple of days. But like I said, yes, I'm not happy. I'm um, embarrassed about the way the first two games of the series went. Um there's lots of emotion <laughs> in how <laughs> I handled the first two games of the series. But I will say I, I, I kind of have forced myself to turn a corner because I definitely can't go to Bush Stadium two times this week with a bad attitude. I just can't. So I, this is, this is, I have to do it. I'm still angry. I'm still disappointed. It's going to take a lot before the deadline to make me feel better about things. But even if I'm faking it, I have to have a good positive attitude. Otherwise, I am going to get a alive at Bush Stadium. Well, okay. So a few things. One, I appreciate that you're going to Bush Stadium to support the guys uh, this week as the Cubs head to St. Louis, which we are going to talk about in detail on the other side of the break. I love that you're doing that. I, I just can't be this. I don't know. I, it's going to take the Cubs doing some damage on the road. For me to feel good about this. And let's just jump into some numbers here because I, I, if you're watching this team on a regular basis, you already know some of this, but the numbers are just shocking. So after the All-Star break, the Cubs had a homestand. They started that homestand seven and two. Outstanding. Everything was going great. At this point, they are six games into a nine-game road trip, and they are they're two and four. And not only are they two and four, they have had a lead. In every single game on this road trip. And before I turn it back over to you, Andy, like they've had leads in the eighth inning (laughs) in three of those losses. And I just, it is so frustrating to see a team with so much talent take leads into the eighth inning and give them up in important games over and over and over again. So like, I love that you're taking your positivity to Bush Stadium. I think that is the right thing to do, but this team has got to be able to hold a lead in the eighth inning. Um, okay. So I guess since I'm going to have the positive deal start for St. Louis Bush, that series doesn't start till Tuesday. So I can definitely vocalize some of my frustration tonight. Yes. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. You're, and you're this will not be held like, against me tomorrow. Yeah, no, no. You get to be like, as frustrated <laughs> as you want until Tuesday and then you can be Miss Positivity at Bush Stadium. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah, this whole eighth inning thing, I mean, I I don't quite understand what happens. I just don't. I mean, 
even some of our guys who, and I use this term very loosely with this bullpen this year, we've come <laughs> to rely on. Um, rely. Yeah, I'm rely. Like air quotes. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. The, that's the term that I'm using loosely. But some of these guys that we've come to rely on this year um, just don't have it right now, you know? And it's like, basically just a revolving door of who gets to screw up tonight type thing. Um, or so it feels. And trust me when I say right now, there's enough anger to go around the Cubs fan base to put blame on just about every aspect of, of the Cubs makeup right now between the front office, between um, the manager, between the players, the pitchers, the bullpen. I mean, there's plenty. So pretty much every aspect, definitely not how we wanted the second half of um, this season to continue on. I mean, at home, they looked unstoppable. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have to, it's like, you know, they pack their suitcases and all of a sudden they become different people. I just don't understand. Um, but, you know, I was, I was happy about the turnout of Cubs fans in Milwaukee. I feel bad for the people that wasted their money. Well, I mean, they saw good baseball up until the eighth inning. So maybe they left before the eighth inning. Um, on either one of those games, but there was some good baseball on, um, on Friday and Saturday up until the eighth inning. So it was, it was nice to see that. Unfortunately, Cubs did not get the memo that they were in fact, it kind of a air quotes home game, um, both Friday and Saturday. And they played like the road Cubs, which is frustrating is not even the right word. Like it's maddening. <laughs> like, maddening. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, you know, to, to kind of pun that up, but it was just, it was, oh my gosh. It, oh. <laughs> like yeah, now I'm so, forgetting about how, how happy I was about today's game. <laughs> well, that's okay. Cause we're going to end on today's game. So we'll end happy, but let's start at the beginning. So game one, Kyle Hendricks got pulled early. He was only at 90 pitches and, and you know what, at the time I got it, I, he, he was on the IL a month ago. It's still July. You want him to be able to be strong pitching in September. The Cubs looked like they had things well in hand after David Bodie hit a two-run home run. I wasn't even mad that Hendricks got pulled in this game. I was a little bit concerned about who was going to get the outs and in what order they were going to be deployed. But, like, I wasn't, I wasn't totally freaking out about it. The thing I was mad about in game one actually had very little to do with Joe Madden and had everything to do with home plate umpire Adrian Johnson, who – how does this guy have a job? I'm sorry. Like, this is one of the worst called games I've ever seen in my entire life. It started in the first inning with him calling strikes on Cubs batters, uh, both Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant, that he would later call balls when Kyle Hendricks threw pitches to the exact same places. And worse, he missed three strikeouts. And I don't mean missed like, oh, those were borderline calls. They were kind of on the edge. He missed pitches that were like, squarely in the middle of the plate in the strike zone on three different occasions that were really important two for Kyle Hendricks, which is part of why he was at 90 pitches so early and one for Brandon Kinsler in the inning that would ultimately be the difference in this ball game. And I just, that, that can't happen. That can't happen in at a major league level. I don't know why this guy is calling balls and strikes. He's terrible. Yeah, that was really hard to watch. Um, and it's just so it's uh it's infuriating because you, you know, we talk about this. It feels like almost every podcast we talk about how horrible the umps are. 
And there's just absolutely nothing that can be done about it. That's what it feels like anyways. I mean, you, you feel like somebody at some point of with some authority is seeing this and, and can, and can do something. But I mean, for the time being, it's like, we're basically playing, you know, another team and four umpires sometimes, you know, and, and it's, totally. it's so, it's so hard to, to be okay with that because you, you kind of, you know, there's times when you feel like, well, it's part of the game, you know, I'm sure that he's, he's got bad calls on both sides of it, but you know, it, it, that doesn't, it shouldn't matter because, you know, these baseball players are there to do a job. And if they're doing their job and there's like an outside influence that is making it impossible for them to, to be good at their job, then, you know, that needs to be, that needs to be corrected because that's just, it, it's, it's, it's taxing on everybody. I mean, the players, the pitchers, obviously they're pitching way more pitches than they need to. It results in runs. It results in skewed stats that shouldn't be happening. I mean, there's just so many things, so many different ways to look at it. And they're, I, gosh, I cross my fingers and, and hope that someday there is something done about this because it has just gotten way out of control this year. Totally. And, and one thing I want to mention, because something you said there, I didn't mention and I should have, which is that both teams are dealing with the same umpire. That is totally true. There was a lack of offense in this game for most of the ball game. I have to think part of that had to do with players on both sides of the ball needing to correct and protect against a strike zone that started out way too big and then ended up way too small. And so if the batters don't know what a strike is going to be, it makes it really difficult for them to get good swings on pitches that are in the quote unquote zone because they don't know what the zone is. So I, I think that, you know, I, I don't want to say that this was, oh, solely just a Cubs thing. I was tracking Cubs pitches because I'm a Cubs fan and it was driving me crazy. But, you know, I kind of do my thing where once a series or so, I find some egregious call and I tweet it out. In that game, in that single game, I had like nine different screenshots <laughs> that were all egregious. And I... That doesn't even count the pitches that were like kind of close and questionable. I imagine that if I were to go back and track this and like do like a tally of all of the pitches that were questionable in this game, we would be well over 20 or 30 pitches between both the Cubs and the Brewers. That's unacceptable. I'm sorry. And this is the same guy who called a home run on a foul ball the next night. So like I have some <laughs> concerns about Mr. Johnson. Whoopsie. Um yeah, I retweeted your thread about all with all the different screenshots, which every time you do that, like I can just feel your like blood pressure rising. <laughs> so like, Basically, I, had, I had to retweet that because I'm like, it's this is such a great I mean, there's no better way to prove that somebody is not good at their job than with these screenshots, because it is just you look at it and it's just like jaw drop jaw dropping because it's like, how do you miss this? Like, this is elementary. This is, like, right. basics. Like, this is day one of training, you know? <laughs> like, I just, I don't yeah, get it. Was, it was really I, bad. These yeah. weren't, like, these weren't, like, questionable calls. These were, like, oh, look, that ball is squarely in the strike zone. And, nope, going to be a ball right now. Great. Strike three I mean, becomes clue, ball three or whatever. Right. <laughs> and clue one, like, how many times did the batter almost start to walk off? <laughs> because they thought right. it was going to be a right. strike call. I'm like, oh, for the love of Pete, this is not good. Yeah, that's always my thing. It's like the guy's like, oh, I'm out. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to give you a break, dude. You moved. So the strike zone moved with you. <laughs> like, what? Unbelievable. Oh, Unbelievable. God. Okay, Crazy. so the Cubs lost game one. 
after the Brewers came back, after the strike zone was a mystery. And then game two honestly felt so similar to game one. Everything about it felt similar. The Cubs jumped out to a 2-0 lead on a Rizzo homer. The Cubs then lost that lead in the eighth. <laughs> uh, the bullpen. I, bullpen management in game two, actually, I was a little bit more frustrated with until I heard Lester's comments after the game. I honestly thought Lester was going to take the ball in the eighth. He was at 94 or 96 pitches. I don't remember which when he got pulled from this game. And, you know, Lester has been around for so long that it really felt to me like he would be able to take the ball for one more inning. And given what the bullpen had been through the night before, I just sort of figured Lester was going to take that game all the way to Kimbrell. He didn't. Um, It turned out that he had gone to Tommy Hadovy and Joe Madden in between the innings and said that he was gassed. He was done. And if you remember, he was sick uh, and got pulled from a start in San Francisco. So it sort of makes sense that, you know, he was just, he wa- wasn't John Lester of old. He didn't have the stamina that we were used to. But what that meant was Steve Ciszek came out with a totally dead arm because he had already thrown like 30 pitches the game before and promptly the game, like, just gave up the lead. <laughs> it was terrible. Well, <laughs> I don't have any other words for this. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was not not a good feeling. I kind of felt, first of all, I, in the back of my mind was keeping in mind that Lester was sick earlier in the week throughout the entire game. So I was thoroughly impressed that he made it as long as he did. Um, I, I realized, and I didn't, I, I mean, I, it was date night, so I was a little preoccupied, but we still had the game on at our table at dinner, which is like a huge no, no with us, but you know, I have to, I have to kind of have an eye on what's going on. So, um, but I, I was trying to keep that in the back of my mind. And I just knew when he was pulled not to go on Twitter because it would have been the black hole that would have sucked me in for hours of saying, you know, keep in mind he was sick. Maybe he was done, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I know people were upset and I get it. He was rolling and he's somebody that, you know, we have come to know as a workhorse who will, you know, you basically have to fight him off the mound sometimes. So I get it. I mean, but I just kind of like, like I said, the entire game, I just tried to keep that in the back of my mind because I didn't really know what kind of sick he was. I didn't know if it was something like the flu or if it was a cold or whatever it was, but I was trying to keep that in mind while he was pitching. So, um, I will say we were at, um, of course I live in St. Louis. So we were at a bar in St. Louis and, um, when, Almora hit the home run and we were up oh. and it was kind of funny because the, the Cardinals game was over at that point. And so they were flipping back and forth between the post game coverage and then going to the Cubs and the Brewers. And so the bartender walked past us and, and he saw, um, because you know, they were just showing highlights. They weren't showing like the whole game. And he saw that my phone was on with the game and he's like, you a Brewers fan or a Cubs fan. And I said, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan. And uh, he just shook his head and he's like, my mom's a Cubs fan. I was like, yeah, you can't say anything, can you? Because the same thing would apply to her. And he's like, no, nah, I guess you guys are all right. So then a couple minutes later, of course, um, we blow the lead. And he walks by and just kind of smirks at me. And I was like, that's all right. We'll see you guys in a couple of days. It's fine. It's fine. I was just like, this is like, this is, this is my hell. This is my hell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So a couple things there. One. Mad props to Albert Almora Jr. Has anyone ever needed that home run more than Almora at that moment in time? Uh, I really, I like Albert Almora. I think he's a good defensive player. I want him to get back to hitting 
acceptably. Like I, I don't, I, I, I'm not under any delusion that he's going to become like a power bat or he's going to like be that 330 hitter that we saw for a brief stretch in 2018. But I just, I would like him to, you know, be an acceptable member of the team. I don't want him to have to deal with that whole, wow, he has like the worst <laughs> WRC plus in the last 162 games or whatever it is stat that people were throwing out there for a little while. So I was really happy to see Almora hit that home run. And I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking two things. And it was like my pessimistic side versus my optimistic side. So my optimistic side was like, this is why the Cubs have Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell is here so that he can come in with the game three, two, and he can take care of the heart of the Brewers order, even though it contains the player who is like on fire, having Babe Ruth-esque type seasons. And he didn't. And I, I'm not going to lie. Like part of me was prepared for the idea that he wouldn't. I'm also a Red Sox fan. So I watched a lot of Craig Kimbrell not always being the guy. I know he's not like, a perfect closer at all times. And I, I knew that that could happen, particularly when they closed the roof at Miller park, which the roof closed at Miller park is like Christian Yelich for game on. Um, but man, I wanted the Cubs. I wanted the Cubs to win that game on that Albert Almora home run. And I wanted Kimbrell to be the guy. And it was, that was a tough one. Yeah. I want, this is my goal for Albert Almora jr. I just want us to be able to defend him reasonably with with his performance meaning right now you can't defend him not playing I mean you just can't you can't so I want him to become somebody that's you know just defendable that we can say you know what he's just below an average hitter he's you know at average defender he's fine but we can't even do that right now it just makes it so hard so that's really my only goal for him and, um, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. As long as he can, he can start to figure that part, the, you know, the offensive side of the game out. I'm okay with him sticking around if that's what the front office sees fit. I don't know what, what this team is going to look like in a week. I, I really am clueless. And, um, I mean, there's been so many things out there, but you have to wonder, you know, of the guys that could possibly be moved, you know, are what kind of value are they advertising or what kind of value are they marketing? Because you just, you just don't know, but I just need him. If he's going to be a cub, I need him to be defendable as defendable as far as his playing time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that is absolutely correct. The last gem I want to talk about from this game, which we're just going to put in the bin of things we don't want to talk about anymore <laughs> after this. Good idea. <laughs> The moment that we should all remember that was brilliant, which was John Lester throwing a cutter that put our pal Ryan Braun squarely on his behind. <laughs> which like was that so beautiful. Is never get old. That is never, ever, ever gonna get old. And in fact, I'm looking I'm looking for the um gift that I think Pitching Ninja or Bleacher Nation, I don't remember which, uh tweeted out after that so that I can retweet it from our account because it really <laughs> It was so, a thing of beauty. The best was, um, and I don't know, I, you know, when I watch on MLB at bat, I usually, it's Len and JD nine times out of 10 that I get. And Len just very, very calmly said, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. That is yeah, the, that's embarrassing perfect. really makes the video. Yes. 
Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> God, that is so great. That is so great. I mean, it's not subtle either. It is very much like, oh, <laughs> overswung and totally lost my balance oh my and just absolutely totally lost it. It's great. When- Oh my gosh, when you go back and look at the video again, make sure you look in the background at the Milwaukee fans because that might even be better than than Braun landing on his rear. I, I'm I'm rewatching it right now. It's it's outstanding. <laughs> I just repeated it. It's so good. It's so good. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> well, there's this really great moment too where Wilson kind of looks down on him like, haha. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Like dude. Wilson's either being super nice and being like, "Hey, dude, are you okay?" or he's just kind of laughing at him. Nightmare <laughs> for the world where Wilson's laughing at him personally. Oh God! Oh, that's so great. I'm like crying right now. This is so fantastic. Okay, thank so- you so much for making me feel better. <laughs> exactly. And now we get to talk about the great Kyle Schwarberino game. Which, holy Kyle Schwarber! I. I want this Schwarber to be a real thing. I want the Schwarber that hits a 473 or whatever it was foot home run grand slam in the second inning and then follows it up with an opposite field bat blast that he like basically didn't mean to hit for three RBIs later. I want this Kyle Schwarber. I want it for real and I want it sustained because that was some ridiculous hitting right there. I think sustained is like the key word because I totally like hours, just a couple hours before the game, um, commented on some tweet that I love Schwarber. I love, 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 love Schwarber, but I need him to be better. And that's all I said. I didn't get into specifics on what I was talking about, but if you've watched this team at all this year, if you've watched him at all, you know what I'm talking about. So I, yes, this is the kind of better that I'm talking about, but on a more consistent basis on, you know, you don't have to hit a grand slam and a three run home run every game. You don't. But there needs to be some level of production. It is really nice to sprinkle some of these games in there once in a while because that that was kind of ridiculous. It was awesome. It was incredible. I mean, I don't even think that ball left his bat and Lennon and JD were already calling it a grand slam. I mean, that was insane. Insane. Yeah, that was a no-doubter. No-doubter. That ball was absolutely destroyed. I was kind of more impressed with the opposite field shot that was kind of like the one that was like, hey, is that going to go? And it did. It, it left the yard with like a lot of room to spare, but it just kind of like, you know, so casually went off as bad. It was great. Yeah, that was definitely like, and you know, they kind of went on to say, now that is a extreme sign of so much strength because right. when you don't even intend to hit a ball you know, as far as you actually do, and your swing is probably like a half swing. I, I don't even recall. I, I think I watched it twice, but I'm sure it was just a half swing and it, it clears the wall. I mean, you know, with a couple feet to spare, you obviously, you know, you're seeing the ball well, and you obviously are a very strong human. So yeah, this was quite, quite a game for him. And yes, if any of the, you know, if any of that can cross over and carry over into St. Louis and he can just have some sustainability on his hitting. That would be great. I just, again, I want him to be defendable in the amount of playing time that he's getting. Totally. Um, The other person who had a nice little offensive showing, Victor Caratini had a three-run pinch hit home run, which pinch hitting for the Cubs since they lost Tommy LaStella has not been great. So that was good to see. And, and I think the thing that I liked about this game more than just about anything is that, you know, 10 of the 11 runs that the Cubs scored – the RBIs were Schwarber and Caratini. They were not 
Wilson. They were not Javi. They were not Bryant. They were not Rizzo. Like, I feel like if the Cubs can get the rest of their order doing some damage, this is a really scary offense. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, I've said this a few times that it, it would be really nice to have everybody get hot at the same time. But honestly, I, I don't think I actually want that because if we have that, then that probably means that they're all going to get cold at the same time. So right. I love that this offense is so potent that two guys can have a really good game and they can still crush a team like Milwaukee. Now, granted, it would have been really nice to sprinkle some other offense in on Friday and Saturday, but you know, without the, without the usual suspects, you know, playing their, their normal selves today, it was really good to get that win. So hopefully everybody else decides to heat up in St. Louis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The last thing I'm going to say about this before we head into the break, Jesse Rogers, who writes about the Cubs for ESPN Chicago on Twitter noted that this was the most runs scored uh, consecutively off a home run by any Cubs team in the expansion era. So basically since 1961, it was at 19 before Wilson's RBI single ended that on Sunday, which is totally crazy when you think about it. Um, On the flip side, we are going to talk trade deadline and we're also going to talk Cubs cards. All right, and we are back. Let's briefly talk about the trade deadline. A couple of notes about the Cubs and then some notes about some other teams before we get into Cubs cards. Um, I, I don't know. The, the Cubs acquired Derek Holland. <laughs> He's a guy. He can pitch. Um, he is a lefty specialist. And my God, if he is ever pitching to right-handed batters with and the Cubs don't have a lead of at least five runs, something has gone horribly wrong. Our friends over at McCovey Chronicles wrote a really interesting piece about this in June when he was still a giant. And they actually called him one of the five worst pitchers in baseball. And they, they can back that up. So he's really here just to get left-handed batters out. What do you think of Derek Holland, Andy? Um, I think he needs to pitch to lefties, and that's it. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. I, you mean, I hate to, you know, I hate to start any, you know, new player on, on this team off on a bad note and, and think really bad things about them. But there's some people that just aren't meant to do certain things, and I think that's him pitch to righties. And... <laughs> I mean, as a pitcher, that's a really, you know, that's really tough because you don't want to, thank God we, you know, is only cash that we gave up for him, but you don't want to hone in on players that can have such a small skill set. You know what I mean? Like you, you want them to right. be a little bit more versatile when you're only working with a 25 man roster. So I understand their need for him. I really do. And I'm glad that they addressed it. I hope that he can come through in the situations. I mean, against Milwaukee, he did. Um, but, you know, it, it's also one of those things is you'd like to see them go after guys that are a little bit more versatile. And I understand. I get it. There's a not there's not a ton out there, you know, evidenced by teams going after starters to, to make them into relievers. But, you know, at the same time, it's just like, man, whew, I hope they have something else up their sleeve, because if this was our trade trade deadline, um, acquisition we might be in a little bit of trouble (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's fair speaking of the bigger trade deadline acquisitions and this deal does not involve the Cubs although it does tangentially sort of involve some of their opponents uh, the Mets (laughs) god the Mets the Mets are are so amusing to me so so the Mets traded two of their top prospects um their number one pitching prospect and their number three pitching prospect to the Blue Jays for Marcus Stroman 
I I feel like this was a really low price for Marcus Stroman, but whatever. Um, the most interesting part of this from a Cubs perspective, Cubs fan perspective, is that it probably means that Marcus Stroman is not going to be a Brewer or a Cardinal. And, and the Brewers really need starting pitching right now. What do you think of this Stroman deal, Andy? I... <laughs> I mean, what is going on with the Mets is what I want to know. <laughs> like, I've I've heard of, you know, lack of self-awareness, but wow. Um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, apparently they're going to be good <laughs> at some point though. before the end of the they're, season. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I, 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 I have a thank you card ready to go out to them tomorrow for making sure that Stroman doesn't go to St. Louis or Milwaukee. So weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't get it. I guess, obviously, I don't have GM on my resume, but it just, to me, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, uh, I don't know. Well, so I guess, I guess the couple, a couple of things, and then we'll, we'll move on, because this isn't, uh, this isn't Cubs content, but I do find it interesting. We are going to have some visitors from a pot of their own, which is the Mets podcast when the Cubs play the Mets in a few weeks. So we, you know, we'll ask them about all things Mets. Um, but the a couple of things. So one is I feel like the price for Stroman was pretty low, and that kind of me- makes me wonder why that wasn't the price a price that the Brewers were willing to pay, considering I think they have like two starting pitchers right now. Um, but yay, thank you, Brody Van Wagenen, <laughs> for paying that price and not letting the Brewers do it. I appreciate that. The second thing I heard when I was listening to MLB Tonight talk about this before we started recording was that maybe the Mets feel like they can't rebuild because they're a New York market team and they think that they would just get crushed by the Yankees if they, God forbid, did the smart baseball thing and actually tried to rebuild. I mean, I <laughs> the Yankees tried to rebuild a couple of years ago. It worked out okay. I don't know. It just seems weird to me that the Mets, the Mets made the big trade deadline move. It's definitely not something that I imagined would be happening at this point in the season. <laughs> like, it's just kind of like, I, I really had to rub my eyes when I saw that. Like, am I, what is happening? Where are my glasses? Like, seriously, this is what's happening. Um, yeah. I mean, that price was really cheap and it just also kind of makes you wonder, did anybody actually even ask or, right. you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, if you're in the central and you're looking at what's happening and you need starting pitching, why would you not be sending a flyer to every single team that has anywhere a 500 or below record that could possibly be, be moving some, some arms? Why would you not? Yeah, you know totally. I mean? it just, it, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think there might be a couple teams at the end of the season that will be kicking themselves when they see what happens and they weren't in on any of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Speaking of teams that may stand pat, um, the Giants keep winning. So they just took two out of three from the Padres. And I'm guessing, you know, with only a couple of days left before the trade deadline, that takes Bumgarner off the market. I I don't think that the Giants are going to sell when they're only two and a half games out of the wild card. And so that is another huge arm that is not, it doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere, which means I guess the, the biggest arm that is left that could potentially move is probably... Matt Boyd, or else I've heard um, that the Diamondbacks might be talk might be willing to trade Zach Greinke. Um, although the Greinke contract, I mean, if you make that deal, you're looking at owing Zach Greinke something like ninety million dollars. So I don't know. <laughs> Stay tuned. We will have uh, trade information for you as it comes out, particularly as it relates to the Cubs. 
but yeah, it's, it's going to get wild here with the trade deadline. I am here for it. And I am like, cannot believe we only have like three days. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, so weird. It's going to be crazy. So just keep your eyes peeled and make sure you watch for the blue check marks. <laughs> and yes, watch for blue check marks. And if something happens that is a big blockbuster with the Cubs, we will most certainly emergency podcast about that. So you will have your cup of cubby blue takes on anything huge happening with the Cubs. Um, all right. Cubs cards, Andy. This is what we live for. They're is tied. It? Is it? They're tied. They're tied <laughs> atop the NL Central. I don't remember the last time it was after the All-Star break and the Cubs and Cardinals were tied for first with the Cubs heading into St. Louis. It's going to be crazy. And oh, I, you're going. So you've you, got to bring I them mean, back. But I don't need any more of a buildup. You're giving me butterflies in my stomach now and I'm not going until Tuesday. <laughs> like, I seriously, I feel sick right now. And I, I, oh, okay, listen. I do love watching some good, good hard-nosed baseball between these two teams. However, I like it much better when we're looking down at them. When we're looking eye to eye with them, that's not so much fun. That's not so much fun. That is nerve wracking. I'm going to have no fingernails. I'm going to be a hot mess. I'm not going to be able to enjoy the company I'm with, which are my three daughters and my husband, (laughs) because I'm going to say, leave me alone. There's a ball game. Um, Yeah, it's stressful. It's very stressful. And it's as a Cubs fan, you know, I'm not going to be walking as tall as I usually do through Bush Stadium. But I'm definitely looking forward to, to hopefully walking away, um, not getting swept like we did the last time we uh, the Cubs were in St. Louis. Uh, hopefully getting a couple wins out of here and not seeing a destructive Paul Goldschmidt because he is scaring the bejesus out of me. Yeah, so the Cardinals have had a really nice run right out of the All-Star break, although the Astros kind of put a damper on that today. Um, Paul Goldschmidt looks great. I... It was funny because when the Cardinals traded for Paul or did the Paul Goldschmidt deal originally, a bunch of people were like, oh, my God, they're such a juggernaut. And I I really was skeptical of that. I felt like, you know, moving Matt Carpenter to third hurt them defensively. I wasn't entirely convinced that it was the upgrade um, that people had said it would be. And frankly, I think that early in the season, I was right about that. However, (laughs) peak Paul Goldschmidt, which is what we're seeing right now. And what we've really been seeing since the All-Star break um, is a huge, huge addition for them. And to put this in perspective, I mean, his resurgence, he's batting 306, 364, 816. That is his slugging, not his OPS, uh, with a WRC plus of 191 since the All-Star break. And I, he had a home run in six games in a row, uh, which that is a St. Louis Cardinals record. Uh, that that streak ended today. So he's not going to challenge the eight games with a home run in a row uh, record MLB record. Wow. I said that awkwardly, <laughs> but y'all get the gist. Um, <laughs> however, my point is that Goldschmidt is on fire and can, can Joe, can we just walk him? Can we give him the Bryce Harper treatment? Like why would the Cubs pitch to him at all? I think we give him an opportunity or two. And then after that, depending on how, how, how it goes, he gets walked. You just can't, you just can't. I mean, you can't. He has been looking ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, you and I have both said there's no way that the Paul Goldschmidt that was the first half of the season was the Paul Goldschmidt that the Cardinals would have the whole season. We've said that a couple times. We knew he was going to, he was going to end up 
catching steam at some point and, and getting hot and here it is. And we're about to face them head on. So, you know, I love, I love who we're throwing against them this series with you Darvish going game one, Hendricks game two and Lester game three. I love um, those matchups with him. I want to see a you Darvish overpower him. I don't want to see you Darvish walk him. I want to see a you Darvish overpower him. I think that, well, that would be amazing. I think that would be a huge pick, pick me up for, for this team and for everybody. And just, you know, kind of go from there. I really can't wait for this game on Tuesday. This is going to be phenomenal. I'm very excited. Yeah. But okay. So let me, let me hypothetical here. Like if you Darvish tries to go toe to toe with Paul Goldschmidt and in his first at bat gives up a long two or three run Homer for whatever reason, do you really want you Darvish throwing to him again in the oh, second no. attack? No. Right. no. So this is what no. I'm saying. I'm like, he might get to beat the Cubs once, but he should not get, like, he should not get multiple yeah, chances. Multiple opportunities. Yeah, and no, like, absolutely it, not. It, it, it looks like, I, what was the game? It was at Wrigley where Matt Carpenter started doing his salsa trick last year or whatever. And like, oh the Cubs kept pitching to Matt Carpenter and I was just furious. I was yes. like, can we stop now? He's he had like, yeah, he Stop. had like seriously like 11 RBIs or something crazy like that. Like it was insane. It was like, I don't understand what's happening. Why are we still pitching to him? Yeah, it yeah. was nuts. So, yeah. so I feel like, you know, you give, you give Goldschmidt a shot or two and then, and then you call it and you're done. Um, other players for the Cardinals who are not sucking right now are Paul DeJong and Colton Wong. Uh, both have had really hot bats since the all-star break. So keep an eye on them. Uh, Andy mentioned the Cubs pitchers who are going in this series. You Darvish will face Adam Wainwright. Uh, Kyle Hendricks will face Mike Michaelis and John Lester gets Jack Flaherty. Uh, what are you thinking about these pitching matchups beyond what you just said about Darvish? So um, let's see. I am, I, Adam Wainwright, for whatever reason, I just can't fully get like a good 2019 read on him. Cause I feel like he's probably probably uh, not going to be as good as he was. I mean, obviously that's the thought this year that he was not going to um, be as good as he once was. The thought was even rumored around here that he may retire before this year. Now he's come back and he's pitching better. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen him pitch really good this year. And then there's been games where it's, he's made it like three or four innings. So it's tough. I mean, some of these guys in our lineup have, have faced him quite a few times. So they're obviously very familiar with him, but the same is true vice versa. So um, I just, I hope that we get a, a taxed Wainwright. I mean, there is no better way to start a good hit streak than to face a taxed Wainwright. I mean, I feel like when he is not making his pitches, these guys can tee off on him. So hopefully that's the Wainwright we get. Nicholas. Um, Again, kind of having an off year compared to last year. You know, he had uh, a really great year last year was somebody that they did not see coming as far as, you know, what he produced for them. He had a, a very good uh, win-loss record. And he's been pretty mediocre this year. Uh, so it, it, that'll be a really good matchup because we all know what Hendricks likes to do against the Cardinals. So hopefully um, Hendricks does that again, but here at Bush. Uh, Flaherty, he has been tough. He's been a tough, uh, a tough pitcher the past couple of outings he's had. He is, um, I don't know the best way to say this. He's got good power stuff, 
but at the same time, like his movement, if, if he's on, he's good. So, you know, I just, I don't, I don't like our, you know, if we're the team that shows up as the swing and miss team, I don't like our chances against him. So hopefully we can grow some patience before then and really get selective at the plate. And I would love to see two out of three. I would be ecstatic with that. Um, but you know, we can't, we can't get ahead of ourselves. Obviously we're on the road. So, you know, I, let's just not get swept. <laughs> about See, that. This whole road thing. I'm so glad you ended with that. Cause this whole road thing is like, it, it's one of those things that I feel like shouldn't matter, but it clearly does. Like clearly the Cubs have been a worse team on the road than they have been at home this year for whatever reason. And part of, and like the statistics part of me that thinks there's nothing determinative and there's no reason that that should happen wants to say that's a fluke and that the Cubs at any moment are going to break out and go on some ridiculous road game winning streak because there's no reason that they should have this terrible road record versus their home record. And I would love nothing more than that to be the case and the thing that happens in St. Louis. But the sort of like I've been watching these games and man, they just look like a different team on the road. (laughs) Part of me is like, I don't know. So I, here's hoping that, you know, the statistics side of me is correct and that the Cubs are about to break out for just a really ridiculous stretch on the road and they're going to start doing it here in St. Louis because it would be, like you said, they've got some good pitching matchups. Kyle Hendricks has pitched really well against the Cardinals historically. You Darvish is not the same you Darvish that they've seen before. He's been on a great stretch recently and John Lester looked really good. Like, I know that he said he was gassed at the end of his last start after being sick, but I think that, you know, good John Lester can do some damage against this Cardinals team. A hundred percent. And, and that's what these guys do. And, you know, we are now in a position where we have to come away with some wins if we want to stay in this thing. And I think they know that, I mean, that this is, you know, apparent and hopefully, you know, while we're in St. Louis, we make some big deals too. That shows we're serious about making a run after this, this year. I am all here for that. Yeah, absolutely. So that is what we are going to be looking for this week. Andy is going to be bringing the Cubs luck in person at Bush stadium. I am going to be willing the Cubs to victory from my couch. And if anything happens on the trade deadline front, we will have coverage for you with emergency cup of cubby blue content. In the meantime, everybody keep an eye out for those blue check marks and have a great week. Bye.